Welcome to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our founding pastor, Debbie Klein. Um, I mentioned this, I don't know, a while back, but when I was in Fargo in, Oct- in October, <clears throat> I was with some friends at Burning Heart Church, and during their worship, I had a vision. Some of you may recall this, maybe some of you have never heard this, but I had a vision of a roller coaster, and I could see some people that were riding on this roller coaster, and some of them were like freaking out, and others were like enjoying the ride, you know? So I said, Lord, what am I looking at? And he said, the next several years are going to be like a roller coaster. And, and whether you freak out or enjoy it all depends upon your perspective. <clears throat> and perspective has to do with, you know, how we look at things and where our perspective actually originates from, you know, our belief system. So um, I, I've been leaning into this and then, you know, it's kind of for this year, but maybe it's for longer than that. And I, I felt like, and I think some other people have felt the same thing, I think I read later, uh, Psalm 23, particularly verse 5 came to me, where it says that, um, that he has made for us a, a table, a feast. God has made for us a feast, prepared for us a feast or a table in the presence of our enemies and our has anointed our head with oil, and our cup overflows. That's a pretty good thing that God would do for us, in my estimation. How about you? How about you? And so I've been leaning into this, and it's like, what, what does that actually mean? What is the table of the Lord? What is this feast? And what does it mean to have our head anointed and our cup overflow in the presence of our enemies? And so today, that's actually what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about this feast and, um, from Psalm 23, verse 5. And I'm also going to talk about how this actually is an array. You know, if you think of a feast, it's of all these different wonderful foods, you know, tasty foods and everything. But I, what I felt like the Lord was saying was it was certain gifts that He's, that he's given us to partake of, you know, that he's given us, that anchor us in our soul to Jesus. Now, let me read to you um, Hebrews chapter 6, where it it actually talks about this. And I'm not going to go real long today. So, if you're, you know, if you're interested in what I'm saying, and those scriptures are not going to be up there, then I'll go pretty fast, so. But in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. I'm not going to get into the whole thing about Melchizedek. That's... Uh, very weighty subject, so that I'm not sure I even understand. So, um, don't talk about things you don't understand. I don't understand it. 
A lot of people think they do. That's okay. <clears throat> but I heard, a, I believe it was a politician say, hope is not a strategy. And what rose up within me as soon as he said that was, what about Abraham? What do you think Abraham would think about that? Abraham, who hoped beyond hope, that's all he had at some point for a strategy, was hope. And I, and I want to contend that there are a lot of times, and maybe in the season ahead for many people, that the only strategy that's going to mean anything to them is being anchored to the hope of Christ. And that's it. And so, what, what would anchor us to the hope that's in our soul? What, what, would, what would actually be the anchor in our soul that is in the hope of Christ? What, what does that? What actually anchors us to that hope? Well, the first thing that, that came to me of these gifts is the gift of His presence. He said He set before us, in, uh, he set before us a table in His presence in, in, in the presence of our enemies, which is also in His presence. His presence is not only there for us for times of worship, His presence is there when our enemies are after us. And that, David wrote this psalm, I believe, when he was being chased by Saul. And his, his strategy was to stay in the presence of God, stay anchored to God, and humble himself even to the point where he wouldn't even dishonor Saul, who wanted to kill him, he had an opportunity to kill Saul in a cave, and he didn't do it. He said, I'm not going to touch the Lord's anointed. And so he stayed anchored to God in the midst of all of that, and as a result of that, David found himself being, just as it was prophesied from Samuel, the king of Israel and Judah, and the king of the whole nation, and that became his life, and he had an amazing victory over many other uh, enemies of, of God's people as a result of the leader being the leader of the, the king and the leader of the people. And so the first thing is, you know, call these spiritual blessings or call them gifts, but the gift of his presence. <clears throat> You know, so when David was in that time of trouble, what did he do? He would humble himself and then he would also worship. And we've been talking a lot about praise and worship lately. And thanksgiving leads us into praise and praise leads us into his presence and presence leads us into joy in the midst of trouble and being able to stay anchored to God in the midst of trouble. And so his presence is which is something that is one of our highest values here, is very important for us to, in, even if you're riding a roller coaster in your life, stay anchored to the presence of God and it'll keep you anchored in hope. Amen? The second one is the gift of His peace that passes all understanding. That's a firewall against fear. Peace is a firewall against fear. When your life is being tossed to and fro like a roller coaster, 
Maybe you're losing a ton of money. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you're sick. Maybe you're whatever. Maybe you actually do have somebody who's trying to destroy your life personally, who's coming after you. But the thing that you need to do is stay anchored in Jesus. And the best way to, one of the best things that we have is a gift. It's a gift of peace. It's a firewall against fear. When fear rises up, it takes over people's minds. You start to worry. You start to get judgmental. You start to do all kinds of things with your mind that you don't want to do, right? But the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, will keep us, our heart and our mind, in Jesus. And so that's, that's a really important one there that gives, gives us, uh, keeps us settled and anchored to hope in Christ. The third thing is the Word of God, whether it's spoken or written. How many of you know a good feast is not a really good feast except by fresh bread, you know? The bread says that the Word of God is the bread of life, and that Jesus' Word, spoken or written, either one, their spirit and their life. And man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So it's really important, again, when you're being tossed to and fro, that you return to. And I can remember, you know, the two things that I returned to when I was really sick for like a year and a half and pretty much was not thinking I would maybe even make it. I was so sick. I lost 55 pounds in a year or so and started having heart arrhythmias and all kinds of wild stuff and <clears throat> couldn't keep that food down very well. That's why I lost all the weight. It was from a, a parasite that I picked up in Mexico. But the two things that kept me anchored to God during that time was worship and praise in the Word of God. And so... One of the things that happened to me by worshiping four to six hours a day and then getting into the Word when I wasn't worshiping, I literally could not do much else. I was just laying around here or laying around on a couch at home, either one. I just had no energy, and my stomach hurt really bad. <clears throat> had a couple of times where I would just, you know, get sick uncontrollably, and, and so it was really a nightmare. But the two things that kept me from going crazy with fear and just giving up on that whole thing was worship and praise and the Word of God. And as I just continued to lean into that as an anchor of my hope, God began to do something really interesting into, to me. And I'm not going to go into it, but He actually gave me a dream where He said, you know, I was going to get through this, but He said, if you don't do something yourself about this anxiety in your life, it's going to take you out. And so I began to really lean into what do I need to do that, and a lot of it had to do with coming to a place of trusting in the sovereignty of God. Not just in the promises of God or a written word from God, you know, but, but actually in the sovereignty of God Himself, who loves me, and whether I live or I die, I belong to the Lord. And so it suddenly didn't become as important to me whether I lived or not. What became more important to me was the fact that I belonged to the Lord and He loved me so much that whether I lived or I died, I was His. And that just settled something inside of me of a trust that I don't think I ever really had before and really put a stake right into that devil of anxiety. 
So that's a really important one too, the Word of God. The very aroma gives us an appetite for the entire feast. The Word of God is an anchor to our hope in Christ. Next one here is the gift of the wine of the Spirit. No good feast is a good feast without really good wine. But, you know, it says don't be drunk with wine, which is debauchery or dissipation. But it says be filled with the Spirit and, uh, you know, worship together, make melody in your hearts together to the Lord. You know, it says to do that instead of getting drunk. And so the wine of the Spirit, drinking of the wine of the Spirit, you know, the thing about the wine of the Spirit, you can only drink so much wine and not get drunk. I mean, probably a number of us could testify that that's true. That if you drink too much wine, you're going to get drunk, which we're not supposed to do. But this wine, you can drink as much as you want. You can drink and drink and drink, and it just keeps getting better and better and better. And it's better in every way for what it's doing to your soul by drinking the wine of the Spirit. The wine of the Spirit is better than any natural wine. Because what it does is it's like He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of self-control or a sound mind. And the more we drink, the more love. The more we drink, the more power. The more we drink, the better our mind gets. (laughs) All the craziness, you know, that when we're in our natural mind that we let run away with our natural mind, that begins to go away and you begin to get your mind right when you drink of the Spirit. So, drink deeply of the Spirit and stay anchored to hope in Christ. Then there's this, God, you have anointed me. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup runs over. God has actually given us the mind of Christ. A careful study of David's life, start to finish, reveals that he was anointed, and though there was no actual prophecies yet about Jesus Christ, it's clear that he knew Christ. A lot of the prophecies over David's life all pointed to Christ. And this was a man who really was totally uh, just united with God in the Spirit. And, uh, you know, when, when he didn't slip off into the natural realm, of course, like all of us. But, so Jesus died not only to forgive us of our sins, but to fill us with his Spirit and anoint our minds with truth. How many of you think that's a good thing in the season we're in, having your mind anointed with truth right now? Amen? That's what God wants to, to do for us in this season, no matter where, what roller coaster you're on, what seat you've taken in the roller coaster, whether it's the front or the back or the middle, or whether you're sitting next to a crazy person who's freaking out, which may be you, but <laughs> no, none of that really matters. You know, God has anointed our mind with the mind of Christ. It says in 1 John, I've written to warn you. And now this is really, I believe, apropos to the day that we live in. I've written to warn you about those who are trying to deceive you. 
but they're no match for what is embedded deeply within you. Remember the anchor of the soul. This is part of the anchor of the soul. It's deeply embedded in you. Christ anointing, no less. You, need, you don't need any of their so-called teaching. Christ anointing teaches you the truth on everything you need to know about yourself and Him, uncontaminated by a single lie. So live deeply in what you were taught. Now that's, you know, the Apostle John didn't write that to the Christians to say, you know, we have nothing to learn. And to get prideful, it's like, well, I have, I have an anointing me, so I know everything. No, that's not what he was getting at. You can see from the beginning of the verse, he's saying, I don't want you to be deceived by people who are lying to you. And you don't have to be deceived because of the anointing that's deeply embedded in your life. It's anchored into your soul as a gift from God, and it's the mind of Christ. It's the spirit of truth, right? So you don't have to be deceived in this world, either by the culture or by religion, either one. There's a lot of people writing some crazy things in reconstructing Christianity and all of that today. It's like, you know what? You have this anointing and it teaches you. So you can discern a lie from truth when you read that stuff or hear that stuff, right? Napoleon said the goal of war is victory and the goal of victory is occupation. So let's think about that for a minute. We're in a war. And the goal of war is victory. Don't enter in... Jesus said, you know, count the cost before you ever enter into a war. Do you have enough soldiers? It was a metaphor. Do you have enough this? Do you have enough that? We have enough, but don't, don't enter into a war unless you know you're going to win the war. The enemy's pretty crafty. And he tries to drag us into all kinds of stuff to upset us and bring chaos into our life. And some of it we just need to say no to and other things we need to fight against and win through the victory of, of Christ. The anointing is meant to overflow with victory in Christ and then go into the world. Our victory is supposed to go into the world. That's occupation. It's supposed to spread into the world. His victory is our victory and our victory is supposed to go into the world and begin to affect the world and influence the world and that is, that's the goal of victory, is to, to go in and occupy. The anointing with the mind of Christ is meant to cut through all the lies of the enemy, whether in culture or religion. Here's what Paul had to say about the mind of Christ. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor, how can he, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, spiritual judges all things, yet him, he himself is judged by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. What a beautiful gift. When it says to have our mind renewed, it's like, that means you don't get your mind renewed by the culture. You don't get your mind renewed by religious Pharisees. You get your mind renewed by the Word and the Spirit. And the, that's the mind of Christ. And so, 
Think of how important that is today concerning the day that we live in. There, the statistics for people who actually believe that it's okay to kill babies right up to the point of birth is shocking. The only reason that that could possibly be true is spiritual blindness. It's the only reason that anybody could actually think that way is that they're spiritually blind. Hello? <laughs> I, I don't care if you think, oh, you're not supposed to say those things today. I don't care less. I'm going to say it anyway. It's the same thing with all this gender confusion. We know what the biblical worldview is. God created us male and female. And then he said, go forth from your father and mother, and, be, and a man shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. He didn't say, you know, Jeff and Steve be joined to, get to each other and become one. That's not what he created. That's not a biblical worldview. And anybody who would believe that stuff honestly does not have the Spirit of Christ. Because if you have the mind of Christ, you're not going to think that way. That's why we're going to be persecuted so bad. And I'm not trying to scare you, but persecution is going to come on the earth, not just to America, but globally before the end comes. There's going to be a lot of persecution of Christians, which there already is. Before it was because, well, you're, you're a threat to our religion. You know, like Islam or one of the, Hinduism or one of the other religions, you know, Muslim religion. But it's not going to be just that now. It's like you're an enemy of global warming. You, you know, as a, I'm not saying there's no climate change at all. I'm just saying you're an enemy now of the existential crisis called global warming. And you're an enemy of all this gender stuff and equity and on and on and on in the whole new woke world. Christians will become the enemy of the woke. It's just going to happen, folks. But the thing is, we have the mind of Christ. And we have an anchor in our soul to keep us in peace when we're being attacked or even put in prison or whatever it may be. How many of you think this might be an important message? The gift of the anointing of the mind of Christ is discerned between good and evil and a lie or truth. It's not meant to bring pride in us or protect us, or, but not to, you know, people could get puffed up about this. Christians that get puffed up about this are missing the whole point. But the mind of Christ is to protect us and lead us into victory in our journey with the Lord. And I believe that this anointing will not only be ever more important in the years ahead, but also, thankfully, will begin to show the entire world what is light and what is darkness, what is good and what is evil. This anointing and Christians operating in it fearlessly, boldly, not being concerned about what other people think of them, but standing up and saying, no, this is good and that's evil, this is righteousness, that's unrighteousness, is going to cause, at some point, the light to turn on for a whole bunch of people who will come flooding into the body of Christ. And the gospel will go to the ends of the earth, and then the end shall come. But it won't happen before that happens. 
And we're, we're, the train is moving down the tracks, folks. We're moving down the track. And we're getting ever and ever closer to a culmination of the end of the age. And God has equipped us with the mind of Christ and an anchor to our soul to be able to ride this out. And it may feel like a roller coaster, but you know what? Every Christian who has a soul, their, anchors, uh, their soul anchored to the hope of Christ can actually ride the roller coaster and go, Yeehaw! This is fun! I'm enjoying this ride! I don't know if you ever looked at it that way, but and joy is tied to joy. It's and joy. I'm not a wordsmith, so I won't try to break that down any more than I just did. What is good and what is evil will be seen regardless of what people attempt to do to confuse others. And because of that, I believe hope is a strategy. So why don't you stand with me? I'm just going to read this scripture. I told you I wasn't going to go long. You don't need to if you really have something to say. This hope we have as an anchor of our soul, both sure and steadfast, which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And it says above that, it says, it's impossible for God to lie that we might have strong consolation, those of us who have fled for refuge in Christ. To lay hold of the hope that is set before us. We have this anchor in the soul. Filled with hope. Filled with gifts that God has given us. To stand sure. To be at peace. To enjoy the ride. To know the difference between good and evil. A truth and a lie. And to be able to boldly just stand fearlessly in this generation and in this culture. God put every one of us here today who's here in this generation for a purpose. We're not here by accident. You weren't born in this generation by accident. And the kids that we're raising up were not born to us by accident. And this is another lie I'm going to dispel right now before I pray. I was just thinking about it. I've, I think I've talked to Teresa about this. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, one of the big things now is like global warming is such a fearful thing. Tons of young people are saying, oh, I'm not going to have any kids. I can't bring kids into this world. Sons and daughters of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, go have as many kids as you can. And raise them up to be mighty champions and warriors for the kingdom of God. Forget all that nonsense and all that fear. Have a lot of kids and raise them up in Christ. I don't know where that came from. Anyway. 
Lord, I better pray and just end this before I go sideways. So, I'm just really glad to be here today. I'm glad to be anywhere, actually, but I'm glad to be here today. And last night was really a blessing to be with Steve and, and Deborah Trujillo and, and them being honored uh, in passing the baton to uh, Ty and Deneen today is when that is going to happen. But Ann and I were up there last night. It was amazing, all the different people that, that came. It was beautiful. And honor is so lacking in our society today. And there was such honor. It was just beautiful. And it just made my heart sing. You know, we, God made us a peculiar people. Not weird, but peculiar. In other words, a people who are different, who stand out. That doesn't mean weird. In fact, it shouldn't be weird, you know. But we should be people who are different and who stand out and are not afraid to, to be that way. And so, Lord, as we close today, I just pray that all of these gifts that are an anchor for our soul, keeping us tied to you and tied to hope, would just be released in a mighty way in our lives today, Lord, that you would just release these into our spirit, God, and into our mind, and that we'd be assured of what we are standing on and who we're standing for as we leave today, Lord, and let every person today be able to say that not only is Jesus Christ the Lord, but he's Lord of my life too. And so, Lord, I thank you for everybody here today, Lord, your beautiful people. And just ask for blessing, abundant blessing on us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.